Welcome to Healthy Births, Happy Babies, where we share tips, tools, and stories grounded in natural childbirth and parenting principles, so that instead of feeling overwhelmed and confused during this exciting time in your life, you feel safe, supported, and empowered in your childbirth and parenting journey. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jay Warren. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Healthy Births, Happy Babies. I'm Dr. Jay Warren. I'm the Family Wellness Chiropractor and the Wellness Care Coordinator here at the CAP Wellness Center. And today, I'm going to have a conversation with Rochelle Garcia-Saliga. She's a certified professional midwife, but she's also doing some incredible work by incorporating ancient traditions and ancient wisdom that has been lost from generations past in prenatal and postpartum care. She teaches her work around the country and around the world. She was recently here in San Diego, and after learning about it, I wanted to bring her on the podcast and have her share her insight uh, with you. So, but before I bring her on, as always, let me take a moment to have a message from our sponsor, the Cap Wellness Center. Hi, it's Dr. J. And one of the things I love about working at the Cap Wellness Center is being able to play a role in bringing a baby into the world that much more safely, much more naturally, and much more healthy. You know, it's something that is an amazing gift to give a child uh, to have them start off their life healthy without the stress and the trauma that can all too often be a part of the birth experience. So I consider it an honor to work with pregnant women to help them with that time during their pregnancy. And it is a privilege to be able to work with infants and help correct any distortions that might have happened through the birth process and allow them to start off their life healthy in alignment and in balance so that a health challenge doesn't hold them back from being all that they can be in this world. All right, let me introduce Rochelle to you, and then I'll get right to our interview. Rochelle Garcia-Saliga is a mother, wife, and certified professional midwife. Rochelle's work is dedicated to midwifing a cultural shift that honors our innate wisdom, personal authority, and the sanctity of life. Rochelle sees women as the soul of the people, and so she works with women with the understanding that healthy, thriving women mean healthy, thriving families, communities, and the world. She has a holistic well-woman care practice where she offers preventative and curative care to women, and she's the creator of Innate Postpartum Care, a certification training for birth and healthcare professionals based upon postpartum physiology and the primal continuum. So now let me switch over to my conversation with Rochelle. Hi, Rochelle. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation because it was uh, our center director, Care Messer, who put us together. She attended your workshop uh, just about a month ago and was raving about it, just about what you're teaching and how you're teaching it and what's possible for mamas. And so that's why I wanted you to come on today and share your work um, because it it seems really, really important. Um, and so before we jump into all that, Rochelle, I want to, you know, allow the listeners just to get a little more context about yourself. Like what's been your journey and how did you get to teaching what you're teaching now? Definitely. So I'm, my background is I'm a midwife. I'm a certified professional midwife. And when I first started apprenticing um, in midwifery, I spent a lot of time in Mexico, seven years off and on, 
working with midwives there because I was really interested in learning the traditions behind midwifery care. Um, you know, midwifery care in this country had to be revived at some point in time in, you know, the 60s and 70s really. But in Mexico, there's really an unbroken lineage, there's an unbroken line of midwifery care. So I studied a lot in Mexico. And I also, when I was in my early 20s, I was 23, I was adopted into a ceremonial way of life. Um, I have two elders and my adopted dad, he was Ojibwe Chippewa. He passed away in 2012. And my other elder, Maria Camps, um, White Cloud is her name. She is originally from Trinidad, from the Carib Nation. So I was adopted in my early 20s and um, it was also the time that I was starting my midwifery apprenticeship and so really my midwifery work always paralleled ceremonial work and teachings, traditional teachings. I traveled with my adopted dad all over the U.S. and up into northeastern Quebec to where um, the Midday We Win Lodge is still happening. It's a 10,000-year-old teaching lodge of all of the medicine people of the northeastern tribes of this continent. And I spent a lot of time learning and listening from the traditional people of these lands. And um, so my midwifery work and all of that ceremonial work and receiving teachings from my elders and the mentorship, they all became really intertwined for me. Um, and so I started attending births on my own and I just started drawing these connections between what my elders were teaching me and what the midwifery world, the, the scientific world was teaching. And I began to see a lot of parallels, a lot of overlappings, a lot of commonalities. And what I think is kind of becoming popularized right now is this idea of physiologic birth, you know, Michelle Odant talks about this, as does one of my teachers, Wapio, as does many people at this time in the birth world. And it's the understanding that we have a physiologic design to um, optimally birth our babies. And it's really undisturbed birth. And what happens in these situations is that um, we have a whole cascade of hormonal responses that allows us to birth our babies in the most um, gentle of ways. And what I learned in learning about physiologic birth and in listening to my elders is that we also have a physiologic design really for all of life, for how we can live optimally in all of life. My elders would call this um, original instructions, and they would say that as humans we have original instructions, and the reason why there's so much health um, I'm sorry, the, the reason why there's so much ill health and disease at this time for humans, the reason why there's so much ill health and disease upon the planet is because we have forgotten our original instructions. And when we remember our original instructions, then we live in health and harmony. So I listened to what they were saying. I was, you know, attending really physiologic births. I was learning about anatomy and physiology through my midwifery studies. And I began to understand that the original instructions that my elders were talking about is the same thing as our physiologic design. Mm. There is this perfection that um, we are as humans when we live in right relationship really to, to what is innately in our body. It's what I call our innate wisdom. And so then 
what happened for me is that I started paying attention to postpartum traditions in Mexico. They call it the cuarentena. You have 40 days of um, a postpartum healing time and you're cared for and there's certain kinds of foods and certain things that are happening in that time. Well, then later I would go and talk to my friend's grandmother from Iran and she would say, oh yeah, in Iran, in, in Iran, we have the same tradition. And I would listen to what she would say. And then I would just talk to different grandmothers really and I started realizing that throughout the whole world, the postpartum traditions are virtually identical. They have their own cultural specific things in regards to food and in regards to how they're going to do the postpartum treatments for women after birth. But they're all virtually identical. And I realized then that the reason that they're virtually identical is because postpartum traditions from throughout the world are based upon our physiologic design as women. And that's something that all of our ancestors, no matter what people we come from, understood. And, um, and so once I started seeing that and realizing that there's actually a physiologic design, I call it a physiologic mandate for what we need in the postpartum period as women to thrive, I really shifted my attention as a midwife from attending births to attending to the postpartum period because I feel like um, it's such a missing piece of not just our um, birth care in the modern world, but really our well woman care. It's like the, the postpartum time is just completely left out of the care that we're receiving. And so I started channeling all my energy there. So the way that I approach my work as a midwife at this time is really what the original work of midwives has always been. And it's caretaking women's health from womb to tomb. It's not just birth. It's not just prenatally. It's the whole spectrum of, of women's health. And so that's what I do in my work now as a midwife. I do preventative and curative care through Maya abdominal therapy, through holistic pelvic care, through holistic breast care, um, through ceremonial work. And then I have um, a postpartum training I've created for birth workers and healthcare professionals so that we can begin to revive um, the postpartum care that we need. Right. So. And in the physiological postpartum care, like what as a midwife, like practicing or seeing women in the States, what do you see as the major drop-off or the major um, hole that is part of current, I would say, medical or Western postpartum care that traditional care um, fulfills? Well, you know, I think what it is, is it, it really comes back to our belief systems is where it starts in regards to postpartum care because postpartum care in the way that it has been done traditionally for thousands and thousands of years is now seen as a luxury and not a necessity. Yes. yes. So, you know, postpartum care, of course, midwives, you know, even midwives, it's like the, the best care is like, okay, mom's okay. The nursing relationship is established. The woman's, perineum has healed if she had any tearing and you know the the uterus has gone back to its pre-pregnant size okay we're all good and I know in hospitals it's even less than that um, so the drop-off is just in the reality of wow this is actually a tremendous work that we've done as women to carry a baby 
for the entire pregnancy and then birth a baby? And then what is that actually doing to our bodies? You know, what is that actually doing to um, our whole pelvic bowl? What is that doing to our pelvic ligaments? What is that um, doing to the long-term health of our pelvic floor? What is that doing to our digestive system? Um, the drop-off is really in lack of information of the needs that we have as women in the postpartum time. There, we have physiologic needs, and it's not understood, which is why I created the training that I did, because um, it is seen as a luxury to receive postpartum care. But if you look at the world's traditions, the, the commonalities in all of the postpartum traditions are an extended resting period. And in general, it's between 20 to 60 days, depending on what culture. There is um, a certain diet that's prescribed cross-culturally. And again, the food's going to be different. But the point is, is that it's always warm food, easy to digest, and then warming in nature. Then the there's always body work after birth. And then there's always heat-inducing therapies. And again, those things are all going to be dependent upon the culture and the place that this mother is birthing her baby in. But those commonalities exist throughout, throughout the world. And so what I've done is I've put the science behind those traditions so that it's not just like, oh, that, that's nice, but it's not actually a necessity to explain. No, actually, it is a necessity if we're going to talk about long-term health. So, yeah. Right. And it seems um, just in my work here at the Capuana Center that the postpartum period, there's one, it can be such a hole that a woman and a family goes into. Um, and mm -hmm. part of that is sacred space, you know, just kind of hole up and be together as, as a family. But there's a lot of either misinformation or not communicated information that... I'm seeing like, man, if a woman had known this, that that was a red flag or something to look at or just even, um, you know, proactively doing things that you know, the postpartum period and then, you know, really the, the whole family life <laughs> could be so much mm -hmm. better. And, you know, it seems looking at how comprehensive things are that you offer um, in teachings and hopefully practitioners taking it, that that could be a, a powerful new model of not just you know, what we're seeing here people go through is kind of what I would say pretty comprehensive prenatal care, but mm -hmm. then continuing that into exactly. the postpartum so that the family's more intact, the mama's more intact, and then you're able to, you know, create even more family later on down the line rather than some scars or wounds coming through this process, um, possibly blocking that further on down the line. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think you touched on it, you know, it's not only that it's misinformation, it's that there's a lack of information. Yes. You know, the way that my whole course came into being is that um, in the town where I've been living in Ashland, Oregon, I was like, Oh, my gosh, I'm gonna focus on postpartum care, because no one's doing it. We have like, 20 midwives in this really small community and no one's doing postpartum care. This is what I'm going to offer to our community. And I, and I know because of my background as a midwife and because of the my abdominal therapy and the holistic pelvic care and everything else I weave in that I have a lot to offer to women in the postpartum. So I put it out to the whole community. I contacted all of the midwives and I literally got zero response, like literally. And I thought, 
well, maybe my emails didn't go through or maybe people <laughs> right. are on vacation or, you know, and so then I did it again. And I, you know, with this enthusiasm, like, oh, my gosh. And again, nothing. And I have a friend in Ashland as well who's a chiropractor. And we said, well, let's put together this postpartum package. You know, she'll do, she'll go to women's homes at week two, week three, week four postpartum. And then I will go to women's homes at week um, five and six. And we created this postpartum package so that women wouldn't have to leave their homes. They would get these really gentle adjustments. She would work on the babies. I would come in. Wow. And again, zero response. And I thought, how is this possible? Because I know it's not the community where I live. I've put other things out before. I've had tons of response. So I was like, what is that? And I realized one day, I was like, wow, it's such um, it's there's a huge educational piece that has to happen because women think that this is a luxurious thing. Everyone after they have their baby is like, there's this, we don't have a lot of resources. We don't, you know, if this is not a necessity, the, the focus goes to the baby, the mother kind of gets set aside. It's the, you know, and I was like, wow, people really don't get that this is actually a necessity. And I think part of why, what the missing piece is for people not getting that is that in the modern world, we don't have this long-term vision of our health. We don't understand that our health is cumulative and that what we do now is most definitely going to affect us 20 years from now. And it's interesting because a lot of the old postpartum traditions teach that what we do during the postpartum time is going to affect us as women through the postmenopausal years. And so I wanted to figure out what that was, you know, and so it was kind of all those pieces coming together. It's like the background that I had, this lack of response to the postpartum care piece and me understanding how necessary it is and this connection between our postpartum and our postmenopausal health. I was like, I need to do something with this. And so that's where I started to make this course from. And that's the biggest piece, you know, what what happens for us as women, just speaking purely physically in um, through carrying a baby and birthing a baby into the postpartum time, it may not be something that noticeably affects us for the first 10 or 20 years after the birth of our babies. But what happens is that when we go through menopause as women and our hormonal balance begins to change, and it's really the estrogen in our collagen, when that begins to shift, for the first time, women begin to feel things in their body that estrogen kind of masks during our childbearing years that become a problem for women, maybe for the first time when they reach menopause. And so I think a big part of it is that as modern people, we lack that longer view approach to life in general, and in this case, specifically to our health. So, right. And, and let alone the longer vision of going into postmenopausal, but, you know, right. even thinking of just postpartum, as, right. as you were saying about luxury, um, I know that, you know, sometimes it's like first time mamas, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, just not knowing what you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. But even mm -hmm. second time around, I think that word luxury comes to mind uh, is powerful because even second time around a woman might know, okay, postpartum, I did not take care of myself. Well, I want to do it differently, but it's seen as, well, now I got two kiddos, there's less time, less resources. And, 
the moms, uh, a lot of the moms I work with, like definitely put themselves last, you know, it's all about everything else. And I think, you know, speaking to that one longer term, just to plant that seed um, vision, but then also understanding like how important quality uh, and comprehensive postpartum care can impact family life, your relationship with your partner, with the, with the baby and, you know, perspective, um, you know, future kids on down the line too. Yes. Everything. Exactly. You know, and one of the things I think that, uh, is a powerful message, uh, we spoke a little bit about it before we, um, jumped on the interview was, you know, this experience of pregnancy, birth, postpartum as a rite of passage. And I would love for you to share your your teachings around that to kind of put all of these things that you offer in context. And, um, you know, I think it's a really powerful message. Yeah. So, yeah, we had been talking about, you know, what is a rite of passage? And I had been saying that oftentimes in this country, at least we hear a lot that birth is a rite of passage. And, and I was saying, well, birth in itself is not the rite of passage. And, and what a rite of passage is, is it's um, like a ceremonious recognition of a huge transition in life that um, changes us completely from who we were before to who we become. And rites of passages can be found in cultures throughout the world. That term rites of passage was created or coined by an anthropologist in the early 1900s. But the point is that he found in his work that for a rite of passage to be complete um, cross-culturally, there's three main portions to a rite of passage. The first part, um, if we're going to separate it out like that, the first part is considered to be the ending. The ending is that um, who you have been, who you were, is, is dying, it's dying to give way to something new. So in, um, in regards to just like the childbearing continuum, that, that portion is pregnancy. An example of that could be like, you know, women might think, well, what do you mean something's dying if you're growing this baby and you're growing life? But I'm talking about as for the mother, as the woman. And it's that you can have an example, a woman career. She has a lot of creative endeavors that she likes to do and tend to. And then she becomes pregnant and she's so nauseous, not for the first trimester, but maybe even for the first seven months of her pregnancy that she can't actually go about at the rhythm of life that she's been going. So there's a dot because that's a struggle. Even if this woman is happy to be pregnant and joyful that this baby is coming, there's a part of her that's dying because she can't be who she was before because she no longer has the energetic reserves to be so. So that's the first portion of a rite of passage. The second portion of the rite of passage we can call the middle because you're no longer who you were before, but you're not yet who you are becoming. And the way that I explain this portion, this is labor and birth. This is a time when in a rites of passage, if it's outside the context of birth, we may have heard of this term, the vision quest before. This would be when someone's going up onto the mountain by themselves, and they're going to be out there for four days. It's a time when it can be a really trying experience. It tests a person's soul. Okay, And so this is what labor and birth does. It pushes a woman to her limits. 
it tries her soul. And in rites of passages throughout the world, it's this time when the body itself becomes the object of ritual sacrifice. And it's the same thing with labor and birth. You know, if we tear, if we have experienced a C-section, our body becomes the the object of ritual sacrifice. And these marks are going to stay with us for the rest of our life. And it's also the time that we we receive downloads, really. We, we come in contact with something much larger than us in whatever way we want to name it. Um, and so we gain experience through that passage. So the third and final portion of a rite of passage is what we can call the beginning, or sometimes it's also called incorporation, which literally means coming back into the body. And in the childbearing continuum, this is the part that I explain as postpartum. Okay, this is the time of coming back into the body after the tremendous experience and expansiveness of pregnancy and labor and birth, coming back into the body. And what's specific to this third and final phase of a rites of passage and what makes a rites of passage complete is community recognition. Because um, what we experience in that middle phase, in the second phase of a rites of passage, whether we're doing a vision quest and we're out on a mountaintop by ourselves, or whether we're a woman in labor and birthing our babies, is that you gleam new understanding about life. You gleam new understanding of how to mother. You're receiving a whole download of information. And coming through that experience, that's what makes you a new person. Um, that's what makes you a new person. And in that third phase, in that final phase of the rite of passage, when the community sees you as that new person and witnesses you as that, that completes the rite because you're being seen by those in your community, by those who support you as no longer the same as you used to be because you're not. And what's happening in modern culture is that women are going through these tremendous experiences and coming out and no one's seeing them. And um, I would say, you know, because I, I like to stay out of the victimization thing, like no one's seen us. I would like to say that women, first of all, are not seeing themselves. Women are not appreciating and acknowledging and respecting their own work that they're doing to start with, because that's where I always start is bringing it back to the self and the community is not seeing that woman for what she's done and who she is now because she's not the same as she was before. And in rites of passage work, whether it's in this childbearing continuum or we're going to talk about it in this, you know, like a vision quest or another ceremonial context, what happens is that when a, a person is not seen and is not witnessed by their community after that work, two big things happen. The first is that that community then is not receiving the gifts, the wisdom that that person, in this case, that woman, they're, they're not receiving the gifts that that woman has received. So the community is missing out and a big piece of important information. So the community is then lacking. And then also what happens is that that person, that woman in this case, can get lost along their path, they say. 
And so in this case, that's why we're seeing, just purely energetically speaking at this moment, that's why we see so much postpartum depression. That's why we see so many women not feeling um, fulfilled or empowered by their pregnancy, labor, and birth experiences, even if they were, quote unquote, optimal birthing experiences, because they're not being seen and recognized and because we as women are not seen and recognizing our own tremendous work and valuing it. So this is a little bit of the conversation we were having before, but the postpartum period is what completes the right to the rites of passage of, of pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum. Right. And that ritual can be so powerful because I see so many parents. I mean, this is true for the dads as well, but especially for the women that there is that feeling of being lost of the, of being like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like I'm not, exactly. I don't really, I'm definitely not the person I was before I got pregnant and I don't really feel like a, like a hundred percent a mother. I'm like kind of both, but I don't know what that looks like. And it, that lost feeling um, exactly. is definitely what I see. So in our final minutes here, Rochelle, like how can people get in touch with you and learn more about this and um, possibly attend some of your trainings? Totally. So my website is innate, I-N-N-A-T-E, traditions, T-R-A-D-I-T-I-O-N-S.com, innatetraditions.com. And you can contact me through my contact page there. Um, I also have a Facebook page. It's Innate Traditions on Facebook and my trainings, they're innate, innate postpartum care is what it's called. And when, um, when people go through my trainings, they're becoming innate postpartum care providers. They're four day long trainings that I offer, um, nationally and internationally. And we're actually going to be coming to San Diego in February of this coming year. And my schedule is up on my website under the course page. And what else do I want to say about that? Yeah, so it's a four-day certification training um, where I go through the physiologic basis behind the world's postpartum traditions and share all the information so that providers, midwives, doulas, lactation consultants, acupuncturists, chiropractors, anyone who is providing healthcare to women and families can understand the science um, the science, the physiology, the, the information behind why postpartum care is a necessity and not a luxury. And then I also teach in my trainings about 10 different postpartum bodywork techniques that I've learned in my work as a midwife that can really be applied to any kind of practitioner um, so that we can start bringing real postpartum care out into the world, the kind of care that women are needing for lifelong health. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. I'll um, make sure that these links are provided for you in the um, iTunes show notes as well as on the uh, webpage um, that we'll have on the Cap Wellness Center site so that you can click into Facebook and onto her page as well. Um, Rochelle, and the last questions I want to ask is, you know, for the mom listening to this, what is the main kind of take-home message or um, message you'd like a mom to take to heart? It might be something we talked about today or, you know, just something even different than that that you'd like a woman to hear and take in right now. Yes, I thought about this. And the main message I have in regards to postpartum care, because that's what we're focusing on, is that really change 
um, in general, but change in postpartum care begins with our own belief systems. So what I mean when I say that is what do we believe that we deserve as women? What do we believe we need? Um, what do we believe is possible? Um, and what do we believe that we need as mothers to thrive and not just survive? You know, what it, it, it all comes back to our belief system in order for things to become possible. And so I like to always bring it back to that. And so that would be my, my message for mothers is that, um, that it comes back to our belief system in regards to the care that we're going to receive. Thank you for that. And, and what about the babies that might be listening, you know, whether it's in utero, they haven't been birthed into the world yet, or they might be, you know, listening through mama, like where she's listening on, um, on her belly. Like what's, what's some pearl wisdom you'd like to share with them? Well, I thought about this one too. And really what I would tell any baby, you know, is that you are so very loved that you are love and that you belong here. That's mm. what I would tell the babies. That's gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing everything today. This is a really powerful discussion, and I really hope that you as listeners um, reach out to Rochelle. And, you know, there's so many different topics that came to mind as we were talking that I would love totally. to have you back and dive deeper if, uh, if you'd be willing to. Yes, I'd love to. Very nice. Well, uh, yeah. so go to um, go to her site, check out her work. If you're here locally in San Diego, um, get in touch with us around her um, teachings that's going to be in February. But then also, if you're elsewhere in the world, uh, look at her website and be able to connect and really kind of bring this into a new paradigm for postpartum care, but in the bigger picture of women's health. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about this episode and other natural childbirth and parenting topics, please visit us at capwellnesscenter.com or message us on our Facebook page with any questions you might have. We here at the Cap Wellness Center look forward to helping you and your family be as happy and healthy as you can be.